Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to episode number four. In this episode, we are going to be talking all things blending, segmenting, and manipulating when it comes time to spelling unfamiliar words or even familiar words, even things that we do know, um, but how to approach teaching students to spell. The first couple of episodes of this season have obviously been valuable. They're important. They share basic information that we need to know when it's time to teach our students to spell or the foundation that we need to know and understand to help them understand the basics of how words work. Um, However, today I feel like I'm actually talking about how I teach my students to spell. And I wanna stress that comment that I just said. I'm teaching you how I teach my students to spell. Now, there are lots of approaches. There are lots of things that you can do. Um, There are lots of books that you can read, blogs that you can read, um, things like that. But this is how I do it. And there's no right or wrong. I learn and grow and change every year. So there are obviously things that, you know, in a year from now, I might look back and be like, man, I don't do that. But as of today, I'm going to be real and tell you exactly what I do to teach my students to spell. I use letter tiles to complete some word building activities every single day. And I originally started using letter tiles just because my mentor teacher did that. And I thought, hey, that's what Mary did. That's what I'm going to do. If, if she did it, if it's good enough for her, it's good enough for me. She knew what she was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. So that was where I started. Over time, though, I have grown and changed a little bit of what I do, but the core of that, those letter tiles, have really, really allowed me to make the most, in a very short period of time, make the most of teaching kids to spell, as well as it really plays into our decoding because we're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And if you think back to episode one, at that time I told you that If you are short on time, which I feel like we all are, if you are short on time, the best way to teach your students those phonemes and graphemes, whether we're talking about being able to encode or decode, is through teaching them how to spell, how to encode. And that kind of makes the most of your time. Um, That doesn't mean that practicing decoding isn't important because of course it is. However, if you're trying to maximize your time, for me, I only have 30 minutes with my students. I have to make the most of that. And because of that, I choose to kind of go the spelling route. And then as we're reading in our reading book, then we're looking for words that are similar to our spelling words. I love the podcast platform because I feel like I do better 
just explaining things orally. I feel like I do better to be able to just talk it through, let my personality show. I feel like I can be a little more real and raw through a podcast. But one drawback to that is I can't show you anything, really. Um, I guess unless I go the YouTube podcast route, but then I would have to fix my hair every day. So here we are. I'm trying to explain what I do for spelling all through audio. So I want to remind you that I do always publish a blog post that goes along with what I'm talking about here. So if I'm explaining and you're like, sweet Jesus, what is she talking about? I need to see it. Go to my podcast or go to my blog where um, this will be linked in the show notes, the direct link. But if you're listening to this later or you don't know how to get to the show notes, go to theprimarygal.com and search blending and segmenting words and you'll find the post um, complete with pictures of what I do. So that being said, I'm going to try to explain in words how I kind of set this up so that it's organized and ready for my students every day so that we can blend and segment unfamiliar words. If you're wanting to practice blending, segmenting, and manipulating sounds, I have five steps that I want to share with you today so that you could begin implementing this in your classroom or just to kind of show what my daily routine looks like. I always begin by writing the grapheme that we're studying that week on the board. I literally do this every day, whether it's spelling test day or the first day of the week, I write the grapheme that we're studying on the board. And depending on if it's the first time or the second time or it's a review, something that we've had many times, we might introduce it, we might review it, maybe discuss it. And that amount of time or the complexity in which we talk about that would really vary depending on are we just introducing it or is this something that we've done previously. Next, I have students build a simple word that contains that grapheme. I help them determine the phonemes or orally. So usually I ask my students to help me count the sounds and we do that part together. We say each phoneme in the word and then I ask them to match my phonemes with their graphemes on the table. So if we kind of think back a few episodes where we were talking about a lot of our words, it's a two-step process, then that's what we're doing. We are saying those phonemes together, step one, and then step two, we're matching those graphemes to the phonemes that we said. I think it's important to realize that there will be strengths and weaknesses here. Some kids can't do so much of the phoneme work while others can do a lot of the grapheme work or vice versa. Some might be able to say all of those phonemes and when it's time to start matching the graphemes, they don't have a clue. Be kind of aware of that and watching. For some of my students, it's like they're with me every time when we're saying the phonemes. And then when I watch and think, oh, they're going to be able to spell this word on their own or match those graphemes, that's the hard part. Then I have other kids who never say those phonemes with me. And then they're the first one done when it comes time to spell the word. So help them build a simple word. A lot of times I like to start with what I would say is the simplest or easiest word on the list. And then we're going to manipulate it from there. But I like to start simple. Step number three is where really the fun part or maybe it's more the hard part happens. In step three, I ask my students to change one letter to spell a new word. 
For some of my older kids or some of my kids working on more difficult skills, we might change two or three sounds. But to keep it simple, we might change one letter to spell a new word. Once students have that initial word that we built together, they're ready to begin manipulating the word to create a new word. So to do this, we say the sounds in the word together, just like we did in step two. We're just first figuring out what those sounds are so that we know what are we actually going to be putting into our word. Then we check our phonemes with the graphemes that we have on the table. So I always have my students point to the word and then we say the sounds together in the new word. So let's just use a really simple example. Let's say we have the word cat spelled out on the table. And our new word is bat. We point to the word together and we say b-a-t. And then the kids are like, whoa, that C at the beginning did not say the b sound. Okay, that's what you need to change. And my kids love to see how quickly they can decide what letter needs to change. And really, they do a great job because once they do have a good awareness of letters and sounds, when you start pointing to a C and saying the B sound, they're like, oh, that's it. That doesn't match. We've got to change it. For step number four, we're just going to keep repeating this process over and over for each of our spelling words. So whether you have a five-word list, a 10-word list, more than that, less than that, whatever. Repeat that process over and over until you've spelled all of your words. Step number five is going to spill into my next list that I'm going to give you, but I want to point out its importance here. For step number five, develop a set of daily routines to target various phonological skills. So as I said, in a minute, I'll share what I do, but have a different focus that you're going to work on while you're working on your spelling words. In a nutshell, that's what I do each and every day so that we are constantly practicing, manipulating, segmenting, and blending those sounds. As promised, I wanna share some of the routines that I do so that we are practicing some of those phonological skills. I have three routines that I work through with my students. We do one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. And I think that there are definitely more things that we could be working on or with some students that are at a higher level, definitely some things that we could be doing differently. However, I usually give my spelling tests on Thursdays and then we do reading and math tests on Fridays. So my most valuable time instructionally or to kind of practice some of these things are Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I'm gonna share these and kind of tell you what I do on Monday, what I do on Tuesday or Wednesday, but no, the routine could be adapted any day of the week or like, hey, we have a couple extra minutes, let's practice this today, and it might be a week before we do routine number two. That's okay, I think it's just important that we start throwing some of these things at our students, especially when we're already working on manipulating sounds. We're already, we have the letter tiles out, we're already doing that activity. Ask them to kind of go one step deeper. Routine number one, I typically do on Mondays. And I like to keep it pretty simple. 
Usually on Monday, we're starting a new spelling list. So we might have a new grapheme that we've never had before that needs a little bit of introduction, needs um, maybe a spelling rule that goes with it explained, or, um, you know, just it's new. It, it needs some introduction. Or we might be reviewing something. So we might say, you know, think back a few weeks ago, we had these words that had blah, blah, blah. And it needs, again, a little bit of an introduction before you just dive into spelling those words. So after that introduction, and then working together to spell our first word, I'll ask my students to point to the letter or letters that make a particular phoneme. So usually with my higher level kids or my kids working at least on blends and diagraphs and vowel teams, a lot of what makes blends, diagraphs, vowel teams a little more difficult for kids is that they often have two sounds that we're targeting like sh or ch or a beginning blend or even like ck things like that where i'll ask my students to use their two fingers and a lot of times we make a peace sign use your two fingers to point to a particular letter combination um so uh, usually I always say, use your fingers, point to the letters that say the k sound, point to the letters that say the long a sound, whatever it might be, I ask them to use their two fingers and point to that particular sound. I also like this because then we can review other graphemes that we've already talked about. So um, this past week, actually, I did some recordings um, that I'm going to include in a later episode. Um, we were working on the silent letter like K-N for the N sound, K-N like in not. And although that was our target for that week, one of our words was knock, which allowed us to review CK that we had done previously. So I would ask them to point to those two sounds and we'd go back and forth, back and forth. But it was wonderful because not only are we practicing this week's sound, but we can also review other graphemes. Also, one of our words was knife. So then we could review that long I sound that, yes, we've had time and time again, but it's a good review, something good to throw at them over and over and over again. I also like to use this time to count the sounds that we hear, not the letters. So a lot of times when we're spelling, I'll say, okay, use five letters to spell the word knock. But just because we use five letters doesn't mean that we're actually hearing five sounds. So sometimes I'll ask my students, how many sounds do you hear in this particular word or that particular word? So it's just a great way to kind of acknowledge we don't hear every single letter that's actually in the word. Some of those team up, some of those are silent, however you want to word or phrase it, but we count the sounds to, to kind of just keep top of mind that, you know, that K in, we're not hearing the K. We, you know, it, it's just one sound, even though there are two letters. So my first routine is to point to the letter that says whatever focus you want to work on or you want to review at that time. Routine number two, we typically do on Tuesdays. And at that point, we're really work, working on practicing just blending words. So after we've spelled a word, which depending on the student, depending on the word list that week, might've been really quick. It might've been where they needed my help or my support. Maybe they took a peek at their neighbor 
Whatever the case is, after they've spelled that word using their tiles, I ask my students to point to the word and say the sounds together. So as a group, we say each phoneme and blend them together as we're pointing. And I think this is really good for my students to just have some guided, supported practice for decoding words. Because it's, even though we already know what the word is, even though we've already spelled it, it's still decoding practice. We're still going through the motions of pointing and saying those sounds. For students with difficulty with working memory, we use this time to practice a strategy to help them decode in smaller pieces. So if you are like me, you've had students who say every single sound and it just sounds so beautiful and you're like, they're going to get this. I know they're going to say this word correctly. And then they come up with this random word and you're like, what? <laughs> you just said all the sounds so perfectly. Well, they really are probably struggling with working memory. Obviously, there could be other things going on, but more than likely, they're struggling with working memory. And so to be able to store three sounds in their brain and then blend it together is not the best strategy or not the best way for them to go about decoding a word. So a lot of times when we're blending these, we work on just doing, trying to blend two things together. So I think um, words with four letters work beautifully for this because you can blend the first two, then add the third one, then add the fourth one, or you could blend the first two, blend the second two, blend those together. Like in the word frog, we could first focus on the F-R, blend that to be fur. Okay, now let's look at O-G, that says og. Okay, now we have fur, we have og. Oh, frog, okay, we get the word. We could also do that with CVC words, looking at kind of onset and rhyme. For some of my kids, we just look at those last two letters. We cover it up and we say, okay, let's look at O-G, og, okay, og. Get that stuck in my head, og, og. Now we have to put a og in front of it. Oh, that's the word hog. So chunking those up, really help our students who struggle with working memory. Before I move on to number three, I feel like I need to stop and point out that I don't do this with all five or 10 words on the list. So blending those words afterward, I think is totally valuable and definitely something that needs to be done. However, I don't have unlimited time with my kids, so therefore we might do two or three words from our list where we stretch it out like that. So we might work on the first one together. That first word is always hard for us. We have nothing to start with. We're not even manipulating something. So a lot of times our first word is not the word that we do. We might spell a couple words and then I'll say, okay, let's stop and point and say these sounds together. And then we stretch it out together. But then we might do two or three more words and then say, oh, I think this would be a good word to point and say the sounds together. So it's not something that we do all 10 words where we spell it, we decode it, then we spell another word, decode that one. I think that would take too much time. If you have more time, go for it. That would be wonderful. But for me, I don't have that kind of time. I only have 30 minutes. So I only pick, you know, two or three words from the list, especially if we're talking about that chunking strategy where we only read 
you know, two letters at a time and then add the third and then add the fourth or split it in half, you know, things like that take time. So I think it's valuable. I think it should definitely be something that we practice, but I don't do it with all 10 words. So I don't want you to be listening and thinking like, lady, what kind of time do you have in a day? I don't. So I only do two or three words. Now to go from there, um, our third activity that we usually do on Wednesdays is we pick a word or two that rhymes with whatever our spelling word is. So just like I told you before, we don't rhyme all 10 words. Some lists would probably get me in trouble if I would do too much rhyming, but I pick a couple of words that would be really good to rhyme other things. So rhyming is really hard for some of our kids and they need practice. And even if they're not volunteering words, they definitely need to hear others rhyming words. They need to see kind of the process. I usually write them on the board so that they can see, oh yeah, look, all of these words have the same ending. Oh, that's why they rhyme because they all have OG, frog and hog and dog. Those all rhyme and they all end with OG. So that doesn't mean that you do it one or two times and you write them on the board and they so clearly have those aha moments. Not at all. They need practice with that. So I like to do that usually on Wednesdays where a couple of words on our list, we attempt to find rhyming words. If you are listening and you're like, man, this sounds like something that I want to do with my kids. I think it would help. Don't forget, I have the letter tiles linked in the show notes. And there are three different versions of them. And they're all exactly the same, like the first three pages, the second set of three, and the third set of three, they're all the same. The only difference is the font that you uh, might prefer with your students. So the first one is what I originally made. And if you look at pictures, that's what's in a lot of my pictures. Um, there, It's a more bold font. Um, and then the second one is kind of a new favorite font and it's a little thinner. If I were going to print them today, that's probably what I would do. But I am not going to reprint just because of a font. Um, I am good at wasting time, but I'm trying not to let that be how I waste my time. Um, so you'll see that I have um, a bold font and a thinner font for the first two sets. And the last one is a Denelian font, which if I were going to print them today, that's what I would print. Um, because my students really struggle with B's and D's and P's and Denelian font is supposed to be a little bit better for some of our students with dyslexia. Um, so I really, um, I thought about making a couple of sets just to kind of experiment. Like my kids don't even have to know that this child's bag looks different than this child's bag, but I do kind of just want to see, do, do I have less questions about B's, D's and P's? So, um, especially with letter tiles where it's on the little square and I could rotate it and it could be a D or it could be a P depending on how I hold it. So, um, that's definitely something that I wanted to include for you because if you're starting from the beginning, you could print the appropriate set or you could print what you prefer instead of like me where now I have hundreds of letters in a nice bold font, but I wish maybe I had done something else. After you've printed your letter tiles, then you're going to be ready for some system to organize them. And I was actually, to be honest, I've recorded multiple times how I set them up and what I do. 
and it's just too long-winded. I just felt like I was rambling. It's too many words because you just need to see a picture. So I'm going to give you the long and the short of it here. I buy the great value brand of Walmart uh, sandwich bags. Um, maybe Ziploc has something comparable. I don't really know, but I use the great value brand because I like the colors that are included. Each group or each um, set of like spelling lists have a color assigned to them. So my lowest level, it has a color assigned to it. And I have two groups that use those letter tiles throughout the day. I have another level with my blends and diagraphs. And I have three groups who use that those sandwich bags each day to spell their spelling words. And I have my vowel teams where I only have one group of students per day that use those letter tiles, but they're just ready to go each and every day. At the end of the week, I trade out that set of bags for a backup of the next week's words. And then I'm able to switch out those letter tiles every Monday so that I'm ready to go for the next week. Now, if you're like, girl, that wasn't enough. I need a little more explaining. I want to see some pictures. Don't forget that you can check out the blog post, which will be linked in the show notes, and you'll be able to see pictures where I kind of walk you through what I do. I tried to explain it. It just took too long. I think it was more confusing than what it needs to be, um, but buy some sandwich bags. Put some letter tiles in those sandwich bags and give them to various groups of students throughout the day. That's the simple version. If you want to see pictures, go to the blog post. So by now, you know I love letter tiles. I think that they have a very valuable and important role in teaching students how to blend, segment, and manipulate words. Letter tiles are extremely valuable for helping students start to see the beginning, the middle, and the end of a word. They're great for letting your students see, well, we literally only changed one letter. These words are so similar, we just changed the vowel sound. Or from slap to flap, we only changed one consonant. And just let, it really allows them to see how those words are related. In my opinion, one of the biggest things that will help you teach your students to blend, segment, and manipulate words comes down to the words in which you choose to give your students week after week. So I have a handful of things that I want you to keep in mind whenever you are making or choosing spelling lists for your students. Students need to be able to manipulate or change those words by one, two, or three letters. And really, I think that depends on the level of your students. I have some higher students who we might have some very different words, um, especially like when I'm thinking vowel teams. We might have such an array of words, but they're ready for that. Manipulating or changing one or two letters is a little bit below them. Actually, if I gave some of my third graders words like that, be like, they would be like, Mrs. Wilp, come on. Like, these are too easy. But for some of my lower level kids working on CVC words, changing multiple sounds is too overwhelming for them. They need to have one word, like let's say bat, and change one letter and spell bag. That, to them, is difficult. So in my mind, it's our job to kind of find that Goldilocks set of words. Not too easy, not too hard, it's just right. And if you're looking for some word lists, I have a um, set of five weeks of free spelling lists. 
And I'll link that in the show notes because I think that would be helpful for you to try out this set of words. Is that too easy? Is that too hard? Um, Or maybe you know exactly what they need, but there are only so many hours in a day. How do you create or think of some of these words week in and week out over and over and over again for your students? So I will link that in the show notes if you're interested in that. And I also want to kind of like drop a teaser here that here in a couple weeks, um, kind of inspired by this episode, um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take some recordings of my students and put that into a podcast episode once the season is finished so that then you can kind of see and hear exactly what I'm doing with my students every day. So before that is released, that gives you a couple of weeks to get those letter tiles prepped, get some sandwich bags so that you can have them all ready for your students. And then here in a couple weeks, once I release that episode, you'll be able to see exactly what I do, or should I say, you'll hear exactly what I do so that you can um, begin implementing that with your students. Until then, grab the letter tiles, grab the spelling list, begin experimenting, And I'll see you next week where we talk all about vowels and syllables. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.